Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of the Panjway Podcast. As always, you can find our episodes on all podcast platforms, as well as YouTube and Facebook for the video episodes. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button on your platform of choice, and if you enjoy what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice five-star review. If you want to support the podcast financially, we've set up a few ways for you to do so this season. You can become a patron by hopping over to patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up for a small monthly donation. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can find us on Venmo at The Panjway Podcast. And last but not least, we've got a small selection of merchandise in our store, so if you head over to thepanjwaypodcast.com and click on the store tab, you'll see stickers and other merchandise, and who knows what might come down the pipeline. So remember, on all three platforms, that's The Panjway Podcast, P-A-N-J-W-A-I Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I kind of wish I would have picked up one of those deployment pistols. So for for our illustrious uh, listeners, basically the, when we got back from Afghanistan, everybody kind of chipped in, threw down on some laser engraved 1911 pistols to commemorate Bay and that company in our time at Sparingar. Me being me and my my abandon of all things military, I did not want one. And now that I'm an old man sitting around drinking cold beers, I'm like, I wish I had one of them pistols so I could go to the BFW on. You know, I'm, I'm buffet not and tell war stories. And there's a important part lies. about that story. There's an important part about the story that you're missing. What's that? And it's the fact that when we were at Spurwingar, you know, 164 neglected to give us the opportunity to buy the deployment weapons. <laughs> so they, because they, battalions will buy, they'll do like a, a group buy for a yeah. deployment pistol. And for that one, it was either a deployment 1911 or, or a deployment a AR-15. Oh, really? Okay. And oh, shit. they were supposed to send us order forms and all that stuff, and they, like, we are the only company that never got an order form. No <laughs> one no didn't. one in Bayonet Company got the opportunty to buy that gun. That sounds like so classic like, 164 classic child behavior, you know? Like classic not, 164. We so what did we do? Children. We made our own deployment gun that was way fucking better. Yeah. Yeah, we did. That broke. And then it broke. Well, it broke. <laughs> Look, it's just supposed to be a piece of art. You're the one that fired it. You should have known better. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I should have never taken that out of the box. Yeah. So, uh, they, um, speaking of stealing war stories, so I can still uh, tell them down at the VFW, we're sitting here with one of our tankers. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Adam Yuri. How's it going, Adam? You got it. It's going well. It's going well. Good, Good to be here. Yeah, we... Uh, if you've been following the podcast pretty closely, you know that in addition to being a infantry company attached to, or that was part of an armor battalion for this deployment, we did a drug deal where we gave, got rid of an infantry platoon and we gained a platoon of tankers, which is the equivalent of a squad. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? What is a full platoon of tankers? Like 14 dudes or something? 16. 16. Yeah. That's so small, man. Four tanks, yeah. right? Yep, four tanks, four men on the crew. Mm-hmm. And for comparison, an infantry company is generally, I think, I think forty-two or forty-four. Forty, doctrinally speaking, a fully a fully manned infantry platoon is forty-two dudes. Forty-two, I think. So almost a third the size of a uh, of a fully manned infantry company. I mean, we'll Actually, just get it out of the way, right? Yeah, the six or what was it? The thirteen of us. 
did what a full-up infantry platoon <laughs> did. I mean, we'll get it other way now. Oh, right? shit. We'll, just, oh, man. we'll just address the elephant <laughs> in the room right away. Yeah, I had to. I had to. <laughs> so for all those people out there saying that tankers are fat and can't do it, wow. think again. Our tankers are just fat and could do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually. So, yeah. I feel like we got kind of lucky pulling down you guys because that could have also gone sideways. I feel like tanker tanker platoons. You know, you never know what you're gonna get. Just like infantry platoons, it's not it's not mm. unique to tankers. But yeah, but I'm assuming like well, we're jumping ahead of ourselves here. But you know, I'm assuming that process was like they probably they probably picked the particular platoon to send to us. I would hope, anyways. Oh yeah, the best of the best. Yeah, obviously <laughs> they even you had know. tryouts. Were you guys the yeah, platoon exactly. that was always like crushing PT before we deployed? I wasn't. <laughs> Fuck that. There was like a whole thing. It was like Charlie Company has a PT score. Yeah, it wasn't me. I was riding other people's coattails. And there you go. Yeah, I do really good on the push-ups. To I had a competition with one other guy, and it was just push-ups, and then everything else was like, man. Did you do real push-ups or do those like? Oh, they were real push-ups. Oh, were no, they? No, no, no. Like yeah, all the way yeah. down, all the way up, or were yeah, they like yeah. these things? Hey, hey, hey easy over there. Right? The jackhammer push-ups. <laughs> That was the one spot that I, I claimed to be my own. Yeah. Were you a PT stud? I feel like you're, you're a pretty burly dude. I remember you being pretty jacked. That, like, like I said, push-ups. Yeah. That was it. Come to the sit-ups, I did the bare minimum. <laughs> They're like, you reach, what was it, 43? And I was like, I'm done. Like, yeah. we're good. Oh, man. One of the and best the, things that ever happened to me was when you, I think when you turned like 23 or something, or 22 maybe, you, your, your two mile goes from like 1443 to like a full 15 minutes. And that's all I needed was that extra like 20 seconds. Right. Then, you know, then I could actually complete it in time. But I was, no, my dumbass would always like try to sprint, so I'd get like halfway through the first mile mm. and then be gassed, <laughs> and then have to make up the rest. Um, yeah. Ugh. No, the best moment was when my when my minimum for my two mile went to eighteen minutes. Oh, that sounds awesome! Hell yeah, that like, sounds awesome. So I'd have been clocking. I'd have had a timer. I'd have been there seventeen fifty five every single time. Dragging I was them. pretty. I was. I was pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I. Yeah. Uh, not like I got. I needed, or not like I got all that extra time. I needed just about every second of the extra time <laughs> for my last PT test in the army. Yeah, I will say for sure that I was not in the the best shape when we got over there. Yeah, but yeah, by God, not. by the time you left, by the time we left, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Hell yeah. I was like, I was actually talking about this today, like. um when we left, man, my legs were like tree trunks. I mean, I like that mm-hmm. being around. I had this big, huge ass where I'd just been humping gear across Afghanistan. I just built like a brick shit house, and now like I had a pair of hiking pants that I it was like I poured myself into them hiking pants, man. And then like a year later, they hang off of me. Mm-hmm. So I was I was a big boy. It might have something to do with the Otis Smokemeyer muffins too. <laughs> uh, anyways, all right. Yeah, Adam, give us uh, give us your spiel, man. How'd you uh, how'd you come to join the army? Why'd you make the uh, mistake of becoming a tanker? And uh, just kind of and then kind of tell us a little bit about the the weird sequence of events that resulted in a platoon of tankers going to Spurwangar and hump and rucks around with infantrymen. Yeah, I fucked up. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, you know, right after high school, I was working for my working for my folks. And one day they came to me, they're like, you know, you either need to go to college or uh, go get a different job. I think it was more, they wanted to push me out and do other things, you know, and, and kind of make something of myself. So I said, okay, I'll, let's go, let's go look at the college. Mm. 
And then my dad was in the Navy and he's like, yeah, you know, you should go to ROTC. And I was like, okay, we'll go, we'll go talk to him. So we get up there and I, I mean, guys, I did not like school. I had to take like 16 credits my senior year just to graduate mm-hmm. because I screwed off so much the you know, the first three years. And so I knew that that college was not going to be it for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, one day I just told him, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the recruiter and talk to them. My mom said, you know, go to the Air Force or the Navy. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I went down there, walked right into the Army recruiter and said, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> and he was like, you know, he's just going to be licking his chops. You know, yeah. didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't come in there asking for a spiel or anything. I just said, sign me up. He's like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be an MP. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, MPs are, we're not scheduling them out till it was like the end of the year. So this would have been 2010. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be able to go to basic till like December in 2010. And I was like, well, I don't want to wait around that long. What else you got? And he's like, well, your, your ASVAB scores or whatever, we'll get that back. And when they got that back, they're like, we can do anything but really go an MP. He's like, we got tankers. And I was like, what does a tanker do? And he's like, oh, they drive the big tanks. I was like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> and then uh, funny about that, when I got to basic, everybody's like, oh, did they get you with a video? And I was like, what video? They're like, yeah, they show you this really cool video of a tank shooting while it's airborne and all this cool stuff. And I was like, dude, I didn't see any of that. I just yeah. signed on the line and <laughs> sent off. Um, so went to uh, Fort Knox, basic. Um, you guys, you did, did my wish it, right? Just like yeah. you did? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, on my wish list, I think I put Germany, Fort Carson, and somewhere that wasn't Georgia. And then when they were coming down, the, I think they printed the list out and it it said I was going to Fort Stewart. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And one of the, the drills that was close to me, he's like, oh, you're going to Stewart? That sucks. And I was like, what, what, what does that mean? Um, Fuck, that's little been, that's I been know. a unifying experience. Very, every every yeah. single time somebody's been there, just like, hey, drill started, I'm going to Fort Stewart. I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. Like, I had the same exact yeah. thing happen. He's like, oh, same. that fucking sucks. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Um, so then I, uh, yeah, got down to what? The reception mm-hmm. told me I was going to 164. It was cool. Like there was like three people in my basic platoon that were going to 164 as well. Oh, really? So it was like mm-hmm. we we all linked up right there at uh, at Martin reception and and trudged on over to 164. So Very nice. so this would have been the end of 2010, beginning of 2011. Yeah, yeah. I think I told you, man. My memory shit. So <laughs> I want to say. When did you guys come back from Iraq? Uh, we came back in October of 2010. So I would have got there right as you were on your 30-day leave. Okay. So you were one of the first all new gone. privates to show up after that yeah. deployment then. Yeah. How was that for you? Yeah. From what I remember, it wasn't all that bad. We didn't really, really do a whole lot. I think you guys didn't we went down to the motor pool a bunch and yeah. swept. Didn't get hazed too bad. Yeah. Maybe the tankers didn't haze as much. I don't know. Just walk out while I'm talking. <laughs> We'll have to come and go. We always end up going in there, using the bathroom, things like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it wasn't, there really wasn't, you know, too many people there that I can remember. So it was just, I, I want to say it was just a lot of sweeping at the motor pool. Mm-hmm. You guys doing all the lived at the motor pool. You might as well say oh, yeah. caught back there because you guys basically lived there. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I think at the time we were either moving companies or moving locations because we were further down. Mm-hmm. What was it to the? Would that have been the east? It's like right at the turnaround for the two mile. Right? Yeah, yeah, for the two mile. Yeah, and then we moved <clears throat> up to the west. Mm-hmm. And I think that was around that time. I could be a little bit off on the timing. Yeah, that'd be about right. And I think. 
Yeah. So I think we were helping move a bunch of stuff and and getting the new company set up for when you guys get, came back from your leave. Yeah. That'd be about right. So yeah. uh, you, you show up there, new private, fresh fresh batch of dudes off deployment. Did you think you were going to deploy or did you were just like, okay, this is, I'm, not, I'm never going to do anything? From what I remember, it was like they had been saying they had been deploying a whole bunch. Because, like, mm. I mean, there were guys that had done two tours already that had been in for four or five years. Yeah. But they had said, you know, we're, we're slowing down. We're not really doing Iraq slowing down. We're not going to be going back there much. You know, they're not, there's no need for tanks in Afghanistan. So mm-hmm. from, my, from my understanding, it really wasn't going to be a deployment coming up. Yeah. Well, when the rumor mill started churning for us, man, like, it, of course, it was always like, as soon as we got back from Iraq, it's like, we're going to Afghanistan, you know? Mm-hmm. But the but the rumors started getting for real in Bravo Company, maybe like maybe just like a month before we heard that we were going. Was it the same for you guys and Charlie? Man, you're really asking me to dig deep into my memory. <laughs> like I said, I don't, I don't really remember. I could be way off key here, but I don't remember there being too many rumors yeah. of us getting deployed. I think it was, it was kind of because we were getting all new tanks in. They're like, we're gonna refit, retrain. You were balls deep in the gunnery too. Yeah, mm. yeah. So you guys were in the gunnery when you found out you were uh, deploying. Yeah, we kind of got that first little. That first little rumor mill that we were mm-hmm. we were going out, That's, and it was like, well, are we taking tanks? Are we not taking tanks? What are we doing in gunnery? What what what's the deal? Yeah. Here? If we brought tanks, <laughs> it'd been awful, dude. Tanks and out tanks of and left yeah. and right. Oh, no. I mean, the Canadians brought tanks, and they well, used idiots. them to to <laughs> some success some apparently. Success. But the pictures that I've seen, there there's a lot of them parked. A lot of them oh, yeah. driving across the desert and a lot of them driving like through um, like cornfields, marijuana fields. If can, our Canadian listeners, if you really want to impress us, I want to see a picture of a tank going and through. Great bro. Great bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If you, if you can show me that that happened, then I will change my yeah. mind on tanks. As of like, right now. It's like anti-tank ditches, essentially. It's exactly it, what they are. I can't imagine what you would use them for. I mean, you would. What would they be like? Route security or something? That, I, I just, yeah. Route yeah, security. I, mean, I know they were parked. They parked them up on Massim car. Mm-hmm. And used them as okay. uh, basically just like elevated turrets, um, kind of like they did with those strikers, the MGSs at Spongar. Yeah. They parked them up on top of the hill, you know. And yeah, I'm gonna offend all our MGS and tanker friends, but like, it's Worthless. still a line of sight weapon. You can <laughs> yeah. only see to the first tree line that we walk to. After we go past that tree line, you can't do shit for us. Exactly. Uh, so I, you can you have like a an 800 yard effective range with a weapon system supposed to be what 4,000 yards. You can engage with a tank or something stupid. Okay, don't ask me questions like that. Come on, man, you're like years. Come on, man. I, I don't know. I don't. I, remember. I just thought it was stupid. Right. Like, oh, we we can get up high and we can shoot. I was like, you know what else gets high, up high and shoots helicopters, and they're really good at it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, they're, and they're a lot faster. Right. <laughs> Yo. And I don't have to lift heavy ass shit around them. Either. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Ugh. That's yeah, true, man. So when you guys got you got word you were deploying, like, what were you thinking? What were you expecting? I don't. I don't really know. You know, it was. Because we didn't know that we were getting attached to you guys right away. Mm, right. It was just like the rumors were coming down that we were going. And and like I said, we were coming fresh off a of gunnery. It's like, well, are we taking the tanks? Are we not taking the tanks? What are we mm. – what's our job going to be? And I and I seem to remember them, you know, on the the Iraq deployment they just got back from. I I think they had tanks for them. Someone's going to – is yelling at the screen right now saying that we did or didn't. <laughs> they, but I'm, they I'm had tanks. Pretty sure they, they literally did. never left the cop. Yeah, and that's what that's what I seem to remember. Like they brought them, but they were 
they didn't were, do anything with yeah, it because they, they weren't allowed to take them in most places because they fucked the blacktop up so i think i think yeah. they're just the government was tired of replacing the blacktop where tanks had chewed up oh, I'm the, sure. con- or the asphalt and i think there was a lot of um negativity off of that maybe yeah and uh, yeah uh, it was coming from like the a, guys that like have just deployed invasion thing right Versus yeah like, we're and from the guys that have just deployed yeah they were like you know we we never used them. We drove around trucks or did whatever, whatever the case may be. And so we were kind of thinking we were going to be doing the same thing, mm-hmm. like going to sitting on some fob somewhere and, Not you know, with our thumb in her, yeah. you know, where, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, what's ironic about that is that, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why they don't, didn't have any tanks in Afghanistan. The Marines brought tanks for one rotation to mm-hmm. Helmand and they're like, can't do nothing with them. But I think big yeah, part of that was work. like that, what you're saying, the perception of being an occupying aggressive force. The irony mm-hmm. being, every time they saw an MRAP, they just called it a tank. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> they were still the tanks. Yeah, I come, uh, come uh, like the Americans are here in their tanks. I'm like right. what? what? Fucking tanks! I'm like oh, they're talking about the MRAPs. <laughs> tanks have treads, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and a main uh, gun larger than whatever bore size. It was that big phallic shape out there, you know, that just right. seems exactly. too, aggressive, too aggressive, too <laughs> outstanding. It's like we're Pretty here to much. dominate. That's why I wasn't allowed to stand on top of the truck. <laughs> All right. True story. Right, well, sorry. True sorry, story. <laughs> we apologize to your mom for it, man. Sounds like your jeans is working well for you. <laughs> she should be apologizing right. to you for uh, creating that burden on your life. That's right. Next subject. <laughs> It's 105 millimeters, am I right? <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Yeah. So, Luke, we're going to turn to you for help because uh, during the pre-interview, we couldn't mm-hmm. – I have no bearing. He couldn't remember when the their platoon joined our company. It was, was like – NTC or was it after? No, it was after NTC. Like I want to say it was between NTC and deploying. It was like this last-minute scramble of – because uh, – if I had to theorize about it, this is purely just my own theory, is that Charlie probably found out they were going to Kenjakak and they didn't have the men, the manpower to like man it and to keep it up. Because mm-hmm. it's a pretty good size little little base out there. So my my guess is that they probably did that last minute scramble to get some some dudes, some numbers boistered up for Kenjakak. And so we inherited you guys and then y'all and or uh, Charlie inherited second platoon. That's my guess. But it was So when we went to NTC, I thought for sure we did some missions kind of supporting you guys. Yeah. Cause that I, I think they might've had an idea that we were going to, but they hadn't really made it official. Yeah. Cause I seem to remember kitchen coming and talking to us as well. Oh really? So did you guys have while that we moment where he just kind of like told you what was going on and yeah. Okay. Yeah. I seem to remember that happening again. Sorry. My, my memory no, was man. absolute no, shit. Everybody's is. That's the fucking problem. Yeah. It's a good thing we're doing. But I guess. <laughs> Because <laughs> I remember us doing like they're like oh we're gonna go do Overwatch for somebody and I and I'm pretty sure it was you guys mm-hmm. but and they're like we might be going to them or something to that extent but we hadn't really shifted to you guys yeah yet. that sounds familiar I feel like I I feel like I remember you guys being involved in like one of the bigger the bigger yeah. uh, operations at NTC and like how you kind of like, so you kind of stepped into that role so it, yeah sometime around there so it was basically just like two or three weeks before we deployed we found out that you were getting attached to us. Yeah. yeah, and we didn't actually come into your guys's ranks until after we got back back from NTC. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I was telling Grace, I remember walking into your guys's company. I had my tanker boots on, 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the looks that I was getting. I think a couple of us did it just like as a big fuck you. Like, yeah. We're here. Guys, yeah. Yeah. And I did not wear them again after that day. And I was like, I, I just I can't do it. If I was the first sergeant, I would have made you wear them on every dismounted patrol. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been awful. Uh, nope. Those things no nope. your feet, the bottom yeah, of your feet. You should actually you should off. explain the tanker boots a little bit because you know, they're they're just a different follow-up. They deserve explanation. I'll throw a picture up too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So again, my memory, but if memory served me correct, the the point behind them, there's a couple different stories. One, the tankers used to give their bootlaces to the infantry guys mm. when they broke, and then they would just take a strap of something and wrap it around the boot. Hmm. And I like that story. Again, there's probably tankers in right now screaming at the screen, <laughs> telling me I'm an idiot and I don't <laughs> no, know what I'm talking it's about. It's because it's dangerous wrong. to have bootlaces exactly. in a tank. Yeah, you get yeah. sucked up into the jet vortex and you lose your leg to the... Uh, yeah. Somebody be out there doing it, but fuck that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically they're just uh, the, the boot and then they just have a, a, a strap that goes around and it buckles at the top. And they're super badass looking people. Right, they're not. awesome. No, they're not. They're awesome. They're not. And there, there's a status symbol. You know, it just says that we're better yeah, I mean, than even <laughs> peasants need a status. <laughs> <laughs> they look it like, says our they PT look like score suck, like and we'll director. fuck you up from a mile away. And they look like something like a Hollywood director would see, and they'd be like, "Oh, I gotta get that in my movie." You right. know? Exactly. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of like World War it's One like, or World War Two. Hey, stop. It's it. it's like the B real. It's like the B real. You Aww. know, like Hallmark <laughs> special for me. It's like the soldiers coming home. You know, for Christmas, and the director was like, "His flags on his more military. Patch. Let's put him on this guy. <laughs> Fucking flags on backwards." Yeah. <laughs> All right, I said I wore him one day, and that was it. All right, let's leave it alone. <laughs> All right, you've you've earned you've earned, you, yeah. you've received your deserved. <laughs> You, you got your fuck you out of the yeah. way, which is good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yep. Salty. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. just to kind of give everybody a little bit of insight, like there's always kind of a salty competition between tankers and infantry and heavy and heavy infantry units, even though basically traditionally in the infantry guys, you're going to take a hit on this one. You're baby tankers. If you're in a Bradley, you're a baby tanker. You really baby are. tanker. You are. But baby tanker. Unbeknownst baby. to you Emphasis guys, on the baby. unbeknownst to us, we deployed to Afghanistan and we were all light infantry all of a sudden. <laughs> No. Didn't matter what that's, you were that's doing. the that's the real joke. Yeah, that's that, the real that joke. Is. We we had we had sixteen tank or thirteen tankers that have that probably have more claim to a CIB than anybody that's earned their CIB in the last twelve months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very true. <laughs> oh man, yeah, there, there was a uh, it was it was pretty even killed in a lot of ways. You guys did a lot of work. Yeah, it was. You know, we were talking about it the other day. It was just. Like walking in the company, it was like, we didn't know what to expect out of you guys. You guys didn't really know what to expect out of yeah. us. I don't really remember a whole lot of hazing, mm -hmm. you know, from either side. It was kind of like we knew what we were getting into because we've been kind of told, mm -hmm. you know, where we're going is going to be a shithole and you guys are going to be in it. Mm -hmm. So I think that everybody kind of put everything on the back burner. It was I like, there's so no too. time for let's that just, shit. That they would have time yeah, for let's it. Just they have the luxury of it, yeah. you know. So it helps you guys came over intact. So you had a platoon sergeant, you had a lieutenant, you had mm -hmm. a, you know, so there wasn't going to be like some E4 going over and trying to tell your sergeant he's a piece of shit. Like, yeah. It's not exactly. going to go over. Yeah. But um, I just had something and I lost it. it Man, <laughs> my mind, my mind, dude. Wow. I should have grabbed a beer before this. 
Um, but you know, like we were talking about the the whole dynamic is we, my crew, my tank crew was actually the CO's right. tank crew. So we actually got pulled out of headquarters in Charlie and put into second. Oh, and then okay. second got put into Bravo company. So we still had that kind of that shift to die. Not as bad, but right. we still weren't really a part of second platoon. Okay. Um, prior to that shift. Right. Um, and so we were kind of getting to know the guys that were in. So you were like new platoon. guys in a, in a platoon that were tankers in an infantry company. Yeah. That was an infantry company in a tank battalion. Exactly. That was attached to an infantry infantry battalion <laughs> <laughs> from Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we definitely thought that one all the way through on it. But um, you know, and luckily in our movements in the in our in Charlie Company, we had we had done a lot with Second Latoon as well, but we just didn't have that full camaraderie with those right. guys. You know, we it had takes a, time. Yeah, exactly. Which you had plenty of uh, in Afghanistan to become exactly, yeah, 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 intimately familiar uh, with each other. Heavy on the intimate, intimate, yes, yes, extremely intimate, <laughs> uh, infantry level intimate, even. <laughs> so you you came to us a few weeks before we left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, lot lots of this story is the same as we've told with other people. Flew to Manus, flew to Kandahar, waited around. Uh, flew to Spurwangar. Oh my God, this is really nice. Right. Um, Actually, I want to back you up for just a second. All right, all right. I, I know you guys have mentioned this. The uh, the pistol that went missing right before oh, we deployed. Yeah. I, I've been waiting <laughs> oh, for my opportunity do. to tell my side of the oh, story. It's it. awesome. Yeah. I stole it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm the reason you didn't go see your family yeah. last week before we deployed. So what was it? Like right after we got back from NTC, that all happened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Somehow, I got approved leave for that day when that thing went missing. So I had left that morning, and I was like four or five hours away or something like that. And they called me, oh. and were, they were thinking about trying to get me to turn around. And I was like, I've got papers in hand. There is no way I'm turning around, dude. Oh, yeah. Fuck off. that. Yeah. So I, people kept texting me like, we've been at the company for for how many ever hours they're looking for a pistol like all this is crazy like you're lucky to be out of here and i'm just cruising down the road like no thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, you dodged the big green weenie that day good dodge yeah good for dodge. sure yeah cuz the rest of us were fucking miserable hating life like 7 days out from the point in afghanistan mm-hmm. and right. the, the big and picture I, of the story i don't know i think we've mentioned it in passing like with quick anecdotes but mm-hmm. the the story is you guys went to NTC. Mm-hmm. You came back and did all your inventories, and an, an M9, M9 was missing. Was gone. So, and this is like three weeks before we were set to deploy. Very, very soon before we were about to set to deploy. Mm-hmm. And so, the answer by the leadership of One Six Four was: these guys that aren't going to see their families for nine months, we're going to keep them at the company In indefinitely. They will yep. sleep here. They will eat MREs here. They will not see their families until we find this pistol. And full kit. In full, oh, that's right. You were in full kit, and you do like what formations? Like every couple yeah, every, hours every, or something it was stupid. Like every Forty-five minutes. It's gonna be a formation or something fucking dumb like that. As if like it's just gonna fucking magically appear. Yeah. Because you're standing in formation, like it's clearly not there because you can't find it. So what the fuck? Like maybe send people home. Maybe you will magically show up if they go home. I don't know. Yeah. Full circle. M9 shows up three years later. <laughs> 
Oh, really? I didn't hear that part. Oh, no, they found it at NTC. It was at NTC the whole time. <laughs> of course it was. Of so some was. unit out on maneuvers in Yakima, or not in Yakima, in NTC, found the pistol, and they mailed, I was there when they mailed it back. Oh, that's great. And it was really? hilarious. That's great. Oh, yeah. man. Dude. It was, in, it, was, it was in California the whole time. The families, like, justifiably so, 100% mm-hmm. justified, they raised immortal hell. Over there. Oh, like, yeah. They were like at an IG on Twitter. They were mm-hmm. sending, they were calling the fucking White House. Like they were mm-hmm. just like, they were, and, and it didn't last long. I mean, we were there for like an evening. We were, we were probably there for five or six hours, but I remember it was, oh, it, it was no, getting, I think you guys were there overnight because I remember driving by and seeing it, seeing the craziness. I thought it was longer there. Yeah, it was, I didn't think no, it was overnight. I think but. the comp, I don't remember being there overnight. I remember the company that, I think it was HHC that lost it. And I think they had to stay. The rest of the battalion went home. Um, That's what happened. Yeah. I think. Maybe. But my memory is also shit. So I know. Yeah. All I know is I was not there. I was heading back to South Dakota. <laughs> and I was happy and then clamming shit. <laughs> All right. Any of our listeners that can remember exactly, exactly how long that lockdown lasted, let us know. I bet, you, I bet you Nince remembers vividly. He seems like the kind of person that would have taken it so personally that he would remember exactly what yeah. happened. It was fucking, it was dumb. It was just stupid so army stupid. mass punishment mentality. It's dumb. It's stupid. If you're in the army now in your leadership position, do not mass punish your do uh, mass punish your soldiers because all you're gonna do is destroy them morale. anymore at all. You're gonna make them hate you, and, um, and there's no point. It's there's not no like point. You, there's, you're not, not gonna make not that M9 anything. show up. It, it, it's, it would be like if the guy down the street went out and sold uh, some crack on the corner, and I had to go to jail for him. Anyways, but mass punishment so, is dumb. Yep, mass punishment dumb. M9 saga deployed Back in California. Yeah, back deployed. in California the whole time. We deployed, got to Kandahar, sat around in Kandahar waiting to go to Spurwangar, got to Spurwangar. Spurwangar is nice. You guys, you guys had pretty decent rooms too. Like everybody, everyone oh, yeah. was on even keel. I don't feel like you guys got, you know, shafted or anything because you were tankers. I think you guys had a... No, we had, we had awesome. All of our rooms were awesome. And it was cool because we read lines at Kandahar before, mm-hmm. like everyone was passing it around at NTC. Mm-hmm. And we remember uh, the writings on the ceiling. Yeah. And so we're all looking for those rooms and yeah. and all that cool stuff. But yes, Berengar was nice. It was nice. Very nice. It was nice. Yeah. You guys lived in the schoolhouse with us, didn't you? You're right across the hall, man. Yeah. yeah. I remember Come second on, it was like right across the hall for me. Because yeah. me and Kurt's like the last room of first platoon. And then it was second platoon after that. So we'd cross, yeah. we'd cross second platoon guys a lot in the halls mm-hmm. coming and going. You yep. guys got to watch us getting smoked all the time for... Stupid shit. Forgetting things and I didn't, gear inspections. I didn't forget anything. Again, well, I didn't forget anything either. I still got smoked for it. Again, mass punishment is dumb. So yep. it'll happen. Anyways, so um, so you so we I know we we talked about your your first firefight was very very soon after ours and in the same place. Yeah, hmm. yep. it was also out by the Twig Grid line, which I didn't know. Really? Yep. So how'd you? Because I think they the sent cab, us out. Man. Let's hear it. That, that that was how. Yeah. Um, they sent us out, I think it was like maybe the next day or, or a couple days after mm-hmm. to the same area. Because right. we were talking about that, uh, whatever trail that was off off to the Taliban Highway. The, the west. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure we took that same road. Mm-hmm. Um, went out there and, and got to that, that, that same almost, I think, identical spot. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they started getting after us. So I was... I don't know, I was probably 
seven or eight guys in and I was behind a wall. So I heard it all going on up front and all I could do was just sit back there and hang out behind the wall. Yeah. Um, now, did you carry and, a saw or did you carry a M4 with a grenade? Like how, how did they, how did they arrange that for you guys? Cause I mean, so I infantry M4, company, we have some sort of, you know, rhyme or reason. We structure. abandoned it of course, but yeah. yeah, you know, how did they decide who carried what and what your jobs were going to be? I think it was just luck of the draw. I think we had, we had a saw up front on the clearing team and then we had a saw in the back, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, I had M4 and I got a 203. I, I can't remember if I had it the whole time or just the, the second half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then some brilliant somebody decided that we should be carrying the, the 60 mortar. <laughs> and so I was the AG for that for you a couple of missions. That? Oh yeah, every all the whole time. No, we oh, abandoned okay. that pretty uh, pretty okay. fucking quick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, we like made this. I, I don't know if we made it or the SF guys gave it to us. It was like a a, a backpack rig that you could just take off and deploy right yeah, away without pulling it off the, the backpack. SF guys hooked us up with that. Yeah. So one of us carried the actual tube, and then I was the the AG for that. Yeah. So I had a bunch that of sucks. mortar rounds, and I want to say we only did it for one or two missions but it was you know we had choppers above mm-hmm. almost all the time so we couldn't i yeah. think we maybe shot it maybe once mm. you shot it like once on you mission. shot it more than we did <laughs> yeah. yeah i i seem to remember us as shooting it once i know we took it down to the the what would that be an alp checkpoint down by a big reggae mm-hmm. and we set off some flares or something or maybe it was on the cop and we were doing like fourth of july set up some flares on it but on mission, on mission, I believe I could be wrong, but I think we shot it once. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it just stayed on our backs. You know, we would try to pull it out, and choppers would be up. up. Yeah, so yeah, it was just pointless. When we had a uh, Sergeant Lloyd came to us, he plussed us up after much later in the deployment. He was an eleven Charlie, and he found out that we hadn't been carrying it the whole deployment. He's like, "I can't believe you're not using that. That's like the the best weapon that you have. I'll carry it." I was like. <laughs> Okay, go for it. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> One mission. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's stupid. We're never going to use yeah. that. I feel like the only time I remember the 60 being used was during clearing the horn. And I feel like oh. Hunter Blackman lobbed like a few rounds on that middle day. And that was it. Like, that's the only time we ever used a 60, especially when we got the goose. Yeah. yeah, once we had the that, goose, it's my obligatory mission that. per episode. <laughs> but, but for us, you know, with us being. I seem to remember it being 13. We kind of went back and forth on this the other day, but I think we had 13 guys to start, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to carry the same amount of shit. Yeah. And so they, all of us, the bags were just Packed stuffed with everything. Yeah. You know, we had people in the back carrying extra mine clearing equipment. We had ammo on everybody. We had, you know, water AT4s on people. It was. I'd say 13 is about the average that we went out with as well. Mm-hmm. But we had the ability, we had the privilege of having two squads of about mm-hmm. that size. So we could alternate on the dismounted days. So it wasn't everybody going out every single time. But I mean, we're still going out every day, just different, different kind of um, tasks, so driving yeah. trucks or QRF or something. Um, so, and that's something that I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit too is, and we had talked about this the other day, you know, when we first got there, the NTC, you know, it was kind of like a, how do we utilize these guys? We'll have them do overwatch or whatever. And that kind of trans transferred over to the deployment. Mm -hmm. And it was, 
nobody really knew how to utilize us. We were smaller than you guys. We were tankers. Right. Um, and they didn't really have a mission set for us, it seemed. Yeah. It was, they're going to be doing QRF. They're going to be doing mail runs. They're going to be doing food runs. They're going to be doing, you know, all the, the mounted missions. And that was kind of what we were, we were tapped up to do from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I remember doing constantly driving to big reggae. I think we went down there like three times in a week or something like that. Really? Um, always going to Zangabad to get in the mail, mm-hmm. always going to Masangar, going to the um oh, or the the district center, mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff. And it was because you get like we nobody knew how to utilize us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we finally went to our leadership and we're like, we want to do more. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to get out doing what these guys are doing. And it's funny because we talked about the, what was it, Evans from the district center? Yeah. Somebody somebody told him, you know, like, be careful what you wish for. And it was the same thing for us. Like, <laughs> be careful what you guys wish for. And if we would have just kept our dumbass mouth shut and just kept driving Miss Daisy, we would have been <laughs> made in the shade. <laughs> Yeah. in the air conditioned shade yeah exactly yeah yeah so like what do you remember there was a moment where you kind of shit for you guys and you started you started like you know do more foot patrols and stuff like that yeah it was shortly after that you know we kind of got put into the rotation and then we started moving out to you know i i, I want to say one of our one of our first ones was pushing out to that Two eight grid line or four eight grid line or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Two eight grid line. Yeah. So it was only a couple weeks that you that guys wasn't were long. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't too yeah. long. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we had it was it was weird with you guys having only one squad essentially. Mm-hmm. So because if you guys were going to do a patrol that wasn't out of the base, we had you had to use us or third platoon to drive you guys and drop you guys off. Because mm-hmm. for our listeners, the the MATVs we keep talking about, which is like is it medium all-terrain vehicle or something like that. I don't know what it's called. Um, But they only have seats for five total, a driver, a TC, and a gunner. And the driver, TC, and the gunner have to stay with the vehicle. So, I mean, there's only two seats in an MATV that you can carry passengers for dismounts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had, you know, we had lots of those, but only so many people to drive gun and and TC is, ironically, tank commander. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, there weren't tanks, uh, obviously. But would that person, that, that would be an NCO. They would have to be in the front passenger seat no matter what. You couldn't have, like, you know, two privates driving around an MATV unsupervised. You probably could have. And I think did we did at some point. Yeah, I think we did at some point. It did happen. Yeah. But doctrinally, you had somebody in that seat. You had somebody driving, somebody gunning at all times. So the MATVs, only two passengers per. And we had, what, one Max Pro per platoon? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the Max Pro could carry like six or seven guys in addition to mm-hmm. the TC and the driver and the mm-hmm. gunner. So our ability to deliver a squad of infantrymen or tankers was really limited. It would take eight trucks to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if you have, if you only have thirteen guys, obviously you can't deliver yourselves. Yeah, but it so. worked both ways. I know you guys dropped us off a lot of times too, and we, especially towards the end of the deployment, we didn't have the guys when we were down yeah. to thirteen people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of shuttling around, us shuttling you, you guys shuttling us. The tank platoon got contact before third platoon. Yeah, that is really did. important yes. to mention. It yeah. is very important. So, actually, so yeah. third platoon out there, just remember. 
tankers got the it tankers before you. Tankers got it yeah, before yeah. you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably why they were panicking so hard and just like going all over it, everywhere they could think of to try to get contact. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would too, you know, yeah. with the straps on my boots, somebody got it before me, and, <laughs> you know, I'd be, I'd be pretty salty about it as well. Oh man, That's They were salty, really man, because it was like a month before they started taking it, contact. You know? Yeah. It was, I, I think, I don't even think they took it, they took it a couple days before we cleared the horn. Yeah. Like we, we, it was we had very, we had very late. Two or three days. Like I know for a fact that our squad had gotten in at least two firefights, if not three. Second mm-hmm. squad had gotten in a couple of firefights. And yep. third platoon was like, and second and second platoon had gotten the firefights, and mm-hmm. third platoon was like, oh, we gotta get the shit. <laughs> like, all right, well, you can clear the horn. <laughs> uh, yeah, the horn was that definitely there. Careful what you ask for. Yeah, uh, yeah, because they sure. they got it in the horn for sure. They and they probably got one of the worst dismounted fights of the whole deployment. In true. The horn. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you got it. Congrats. Yeah. Got got to get joined. They be, they beat us there because I think we were we were QRF for they that were on right? the top yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice and comfy in the AC. Yeah, man, not a care in the world. Had it made. Yeah, <laughs> which was an envious position at Spurwingar. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. We look back yeah. and I'm like, yeah, man, I was out there fucking. I was in the shit every day. But when you <laughs> when you look when you actually think about it, you're like, yeah, I wish I would have been sitting in the air conditioning. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, I think we we were talking during the pre-interview about that kind of thing. How you know Spurwingar was nice, but we went out a lot. Our op tempo was really really high. Mm-hmm. And when you look at a lot of the units, and this isn't all encompassing. I know uh, I'm gonna get hate. Someone say that's not the way we did it. But a lot of the units in like the Kunar in the mountains, they rotated in and out. So they'd be in there for a couple weeks at a time, and they'd come back and they'd refit at Jabad or Asasabad, which is one of the fobs that was in the Kunar, um, so kind of halfway up there. So, I mean, they weren't they didn't spend their entire time at places like Cop Keating or um, – Restrepo. Well, I think Cop Keating they did, but Restrepo. Like Restrepo yeah. was – they rotated through That's Restrepo. A great example, yeah. Um, Keating, I think they lived there. That was actually really bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, nice. yeah they, they I think they spent all their deployment there, but mm. – um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, to to operate in an area like that without any kind of break, it, it's different. Um, so it, I don't feel as bad about having a nice cop because we never rotated out. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to calf, we didn't spend like three weeks at calf while Alpha Company ran ops out of Spurlinger, and I'm That's glad true. that they didn't. Yeah, same. It, it, the casualties would have been catastrophic. You know, yeah. I mean, there'd be we, no there'd be no continuity. Yeah, yeah. If we rotate new people in, then the ID. Uh, hits would have been significantly more. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it's, it's just another interesting way that it was different, different from yeah. how other units did it. And I mean, the fact that we had a, the fact that we had a platoon of fucking tankers out there stomping around with us is different. It's so, like, hell yeah. That might so have been the weird, first time man. in Afghanistan that tankers were out like just stomping around, you know, or one of the first. No, they had done it before, like in the Kunar. I guess first yeah. ID like switched to Afghanistan mm-hmm. early, pretty early on, didn't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they had like they had like cav scout units up there, like heavy cav scout units. And they have they have tank companies too. So I don't, I don't know how they did it. So if you were if you were a tanker and you deployed to Afghanistan before 2012, we'd Let love to know. hear in the comments yes. what it was like. I'd love uh, how did they sure. how did they use it yeah. for sure. So you got in there. We uh, you, you finally got your cherry popped. Um, you know the Operation Temple kind of picks up and just. How how did it change for you guys? You know, did you did you ever feel like you were 
it was like you were just bayonets. Like that the I the fact that you were tankers was forgotten, or was it always kind of there, or did you guys you know feel like you kind of found your place with this? You know, I think for the most part, it was like going back to what what I said earlier. You know, the we knew what the mission was going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we didn't know, but we had an idea that you know we were going to go into it, um, and everyone really bonded pretty quick. I remember mm-hmm. lots of crazy nights in the the tv room people on carts and you know you know running around playing sports or whatever the the case may be and it wasn't like we were weren't part of the team Mm -hmm. i never really got that um impression that i remember yeah I, i know there was a lot of guys that i didn't interact with with you know the other other platoons um just because, you know, we were all on different schedules or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely folks from each platoon that we, you know, we all kind of interacted with on a on a, a daily basis, I would say. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we, we definitely felt like once we kind of got into the rotation right. that you guys were were on, not just the, the, the truck bitches. Yeah. I think it that's when it really got cemented down that we were actually part of the team. And yeah. And I think there was almost a, a level of that we had to prove ourselves hmm. out there. Because you know, like we asked to go do the same thing that you guys were you, you guys were doing. Mm-hmm. Um and rightfully so, people were skeptical. I mean, we were we were shorter than the other platoons. We weren't infantry guys, we were, you know, dismounted tubbies that, you know, shouldn't have been out there. <laughs> And so we definitely had to prove ourselves. And once I, I, I seem to remember like a point in the deployment where it was like, all right, you guys, you guys aren't tankers right now. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was, it, it, it was a great, great experience for that part of it. You know, once, once everything kind of came together and we were in that, that flow of, of missions and getting, getting shit done. So. Well, I, I can say after we talked the other day and talking today, I think I know what that moment was. I think it was the moment that when we got, infantrymen reinforcements mm-hmm. they gave you infantrymen as reinforcements yep. and trusted you know a tank platoon to to treat infantrymen as if they were one and the same yeah mm-hmm. so at that point it didn't matter really what your mos was like we're all going out we're all walking around so it doesn't matter yep. if they're infantrymen or if they're what is the tank mos 19 19 kilo, kilo. Mm-hmm. same same at that point yeah yeah um i'd get shot if I said that in garrison at peacetime, <laughs> right at that time right. at Spurgar in Afghanistan, yeah, we didn't give a shit. Man. Yeah, honestly, like, I mean, I think, um, like you said, once you once we got past that point where you guys were like into mm-hmm. that three day rotation of QRF slash mounted slash dismounted patrols, we didn't give a shit that you guys were tankers. You know, yeah, you know, we for got, sure. We got there, started like stomping said, around and started getting. And you guys got into some good firefights, like good mm-hmm. firefights. Yeah. You know. For sure. So, and I think for sure when Frost got hit too, that definitely drove it home, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Cause so, you guys are getting hurt too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, once, once we got into that, it was, it was all like we were the same team. There yeah. wasn't, there wasn't any of that, that bullshit rivalry and, um, you know, good sportsmanship type yeah. stuff. It was all, we were all on the same, there was one common enemy and we were all, we were all going after that enemy together. So, and then you redeployed. <laughs> yes. And t- tell yes. us, tell us what that was like. So, you you bonded with your fellow infantrymen. You did the same job mm-hmm. as the infantrymen. 
you know, you, you walked around, you got in your gunfights, you know, that, that line between 19 Kilo and 11 Bravo pretty much dissolved, and you were good at your job, we were all in the rhythm, and then it's back over, to, and now you're back at Fort Stewart, and you're a yeah. tanker again. How was that? You know, and you kind of reminded me about the speeches that we got from from an individuals, or individuals, I should say, right. about, you know, being that professional professional soldier when we came back. And basically it was don't talk out about of, it. Yeah. Out of all of us or out of all the companies, we were Bravo Company was the only one really getting into it. Mm -hmm. And so when we got back, it was like, you know, don't talk about it. You know what you did. They know what you did. No need to talk about it. And so I mean as anybody that's deployed will know you have to talk about it with people that were there with mm -hmm. you that's the only way for you to process really process it mm -hmm. and really kind of get um your head wrapped around it you have to be able to share those stories and talk to people that were there and um kind of decompress it all so when we got back you know obviously we shifted back to to charlie company and then your guys second platoon came back to you mm -hmm. and it was like walking into a stranger's house going back it was mm -hmm. more awkward and uncomfortable walking back into charlie company after the deployment than it was walking into bravo company before the deployment really oh yeah um you know because like second platoon stayed together for I, I can't remember how long it was before they they completely disbanded us but it was second platoon and it was the rest of charlie company yeah. is what it felt like <laughs> yeah you know, like, um, we would tell stories amongst other second platoon people and talk about it and, you know, bond more over, over the experience and all that stuff. And then you'd see other people, like, they kind of wanted to chime into a conversation, but they didn't have anything to talk about. So it was just right. super awkward. Mm. Or you would, you would walk in and, you know, another platoon would be talking about one of their missions or whatever. And we would walk in and it would be like almost like they would stop talking like yeah. the record screeches in the corner <laughs> yeah <nice>. exactly <laughs> and it was it was just so uncomfortable at at that point you know it was just like us and then the rest and so then shortly after we got back they split second platoon up because they wanted to split the wealth around or split the knowledge around or whatever their bullshit excuse was mm -hmm. for it so then you had you know, second platoon scattered to the wind in the rest of Charlie company. And he didn't have that. There's, there's my warrior brother anymore. Right. It's, it's a guy that was on calf or Kinchikak or wherever it was. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't really have the same dialogue with that person that you could with somebody that was at Spurunga. Yeah. And so it, go ahead. And for our listeners, I mean, platoons in combat units might as well be like different units they really like should you you, yeah, you, you see yeah. each other in passing you might know each other's names because you used to be in a platoon together but like in general like you you, you don't spend a whole lot of time with people in other platoons so you the the extent of your interaction with them at least at work is literally just in passing because you do all your training team squad platoon internal hmm. and they're off doing their own thing they have their own leaders they have their own priorities and it's just you know it and rivalries develop you know, they're very different. Like the three platoons in an infantry company, or I'm sure it's the same in the tanks. Like it's, you're competing against each other when mm -hmm. you, when you shoot gunnery, you're competing against each other internally. Like 
and only time you really come together is when you're competing as a company. And it's it's just weird. So by splitting a squad that is really tied up after a deployment like that, you're basically saying all those people that the only people that you had to talk about this experience are no longer available to you. For sure. Yeah. And it and it's that's awful. Yeah. It's a really disservice to to guys coming back for something like that. You know, luckily we all we're pretty close in all, all the single guys were pretty close in the barracks and all that stuff. Right. So we still had something outside of work, yeah. but yet at work, you just felt yeah, alienated. like an outsider. You know, I feel yeah. like that was something that was just handled very poorly um, mm-hmm. by battalion leadership and by, you know, upper echelons of, of uh, apparently in Charlie company too. <laughs> and I don't know whose call that was, but that's something that was handled very poorly when we got back. And, you know, it's like, instead of just kind of owning it, and being comfortable with the fact that rival companies out there getting in the shit at Spurmangar, while the majority of the battalion either, you know, it's all some stuff, but nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, not, not to disparage what they were doing, they just got stuck there. But instead of just yeah. being like, cool with that, and be like, welcome back into the fold, brothers. You know, like, mm-hmm. let, let's let's pick up, move on to the next mission, do, you know, and like, we want you back here so that we can, so that we can carry on and go forward as a unit. Instead, it was like, that antagonism was just very much prevalent mm-hmm. there. And it came down from the battalion leadership, you know, like it was, it literally started with that formation. It was like, it, it was, it was the read between the lines of what I'm saying. It's Bravo company. Don't go around swinging your dicks around because you guys were out there getting in the shit, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. and that was, that was, that was the, it was a speech given to the entire battalion. Yeah. In front right, of, right yeah, before that, we left. The thing, they didn't come down to us and tell us that. And like, you know, if it, if, the way to do that as a leader is to come down and be like, hey, dudes, like we know you guys, you know, you guys saw more stuff. It was more kinetic, whatever. Be humble, you know, right. be mm-hmm. cool, be respectful to your fellow soldiers. They they could have just as easily been in the situation you were in and vice versa. It wasn't that. It was just like mm-hmm. th- the chip on the shoulder about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucking toxic. And, it, and it's worth mentioning Needless. here, like Charlie Company saw stuff. They saw at stuff. Yeah. They they had they had several major contacts. Mm-hmm. They had guys get wounded. There were several purple hearts. Like they saw real combat in the Grey Pros. Yeah. Like they were shooting mortars and they were shooting rounds too. But it was a much 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 smaller scale. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it actually I think put Charlie Company in an even weird and it includes our second platoon that was attached to Charlie Company. Mm-hmm. Um put them in a really weird position because they did see some stuff that which puts them above everyone that was at CAF. Yeah. But they didn't see any. I mean, hardly anybody in the country saw the level that one, two, three saw on the horn. Yeah, like that's true. At that time, that was where the fight was. So they never. I feel like they were awkward about wanting to talk about their experiences because, you know, you have Adam and the second platoon, the guys who were at Sparwangar, that saw more. So it. Everybody feels awkward, and no one addressed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one said, "Hey, we're all together. We're back to one team." You know, Bravo Company. Great job, awesome. You know, Charlie Company, great job, awesome. Alpha Company, sorry, maybe next time it'll be your turn. Yeah, but it was just, I don't know. It rubbed yeah. me. It rubbed me the wrong way for sure. Um, oh, and I it created it a lot of, of issues way. in that battalion. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then you had guys that saw stuff. Let's say guys that in Charlie Company that did see stuff. They don't feel like they can talk about it because they don't want to mm-hmm. be compared to Bravo Company. Mm-hmm. And you have yep. Bravo Company who saw tons of stuff. That they don't feel like they should, they could talk about it because they feel bad about making. They want it, yeah. They don't want to be. They a don't want other people contest. to feel. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So everyone's trying to be cognizant of each other's feelings here, but no one is. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm and I'm I rambling, think when we get, when we got back to our company, we would come out back and hang out with Bravo more than oh, yeah. we did our yeah. own company. I know you guys are down there all the time. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just come around that little retaining wall, and we'd all stand out there with you guys. I mean, we felt <laughs> we felt more comfortable there than we did mm-hmm. at our in our own job. Well, I mean, I mean there's, there's echoes of that to this day. I mean, I still yeah. have, I still feel more of a connection to one, two, three than I do to mm. one, six, one, six, four. Yeah. By a long shot. I mean, just, just by nature because of, of our shared experience versus mm-hmm. the experience that one, six, four had. Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. no hate. I mean, it's it just easily could have gone the other way. The draw. It's just yeah. luck of the draw, but yeah. Or bad luck of the draw. <laughs> or bad luck of the draw. <laughs> yeah. Right. Depending on which way you look at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Adam, you, man, you made a really good point in the preview about combat patches. Mm-hmm. Um, since we were, and Charlie Company was as well, Charlie Company is one of the cops that was part of 123's, um, you know, operational control. They were allowed to wear the 2ID patch, as just like we were when we got back. Um, we had a letter, was legit. We can wear a 2ID patch, combat patch, or a th- third ID combat patch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said that that created some kind of not not issues, but um, contention, contention. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I felt like in my mind as a young young man back then, like the we earned that, mm-hmm. right? And there was others that didn't earn it, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I got to the point where I just stopped wearing it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't wear a wouldn't wear a combat patch at all. Yeah, and then I stopped wearing my cab at times mm. because of it. Right, and you know, obviously, I'm older, more mature now, and you know, that's not the way to look at it. But back then, yeah, it was like walking into Charlie Company and they're wearing that same thing, and it just it didn't sit right with me. Yeah, right. You know, and and that goes back to that that same contention since I we weren't a lot we're, weren't supposed to talk about it we weren't supposed to you know measure dicks and and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. it just kind of added a whole new layer to it yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting well I think I mean the operative word you used earlier and I think there's two things two important takeaways from from this one is the more personal thing the operative word you used earlier was we you know, we talk about when we mm-hmm. redeployed, we came back, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that when our platoon came back from Bravo Company and went to Charlie. Right. So, like, it was interesting, that, you know, just kind of even subconsciously you're talking about when you got back, it was we as bayonets, we as Bravo. Mm-hmm. You know, so you guys had ingratiated yourself and you ingrained yourself into the platoon or in the, into the company so thoroughly that that distinction wasn't even there. So to be severed mm-hmm. from that, man, I can understand. To And to segue into something Curtis said, like the guys at Charlie who saw some shit, and sorry, Alpha and Delta, you didn't see shit. Sorry, guys. You know, but mm-hmm. whatever. That's fine. You, you know, don't overcompensate for it. But like the guys at Charlie who saw some, you know, some shit, the fact that they felt that they, 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 they couldn't, if they couldn't talk about that, that creates potential problems for dudes who, like, down the road. Because you yeah. see somebody get their mm-hmm. leg blown off or you, or you have a really bad close call in combat, that fucking sucks. You need to talk about it. But if you're in a and if you're in an environment where all that's being suppressed and all that's being like swept to the side, or it's all being like held up to this, you know, to this ridiculous pissing contest thing, then that's that has the potential to create some some stuff that has some negative fallout and negative consequences. 
and, and on the other side too, sure. to tell the guys at Bravo, like, hey, yeah, you, know, you guys are it, fucking it, war heroes. You guys, you have yeah, to win. You don't need to be out there talking about what you did at all. You just need to keep that inside and be yeah. modest and be like, okay, <laughs> there, to an extent, I agree. You yeah. should be modest. You should be humble. You should not post your combat awards on the back of your truck. I'm sorry. If your ERB is on the back of your truck, you're a douche. Yeah. <laughs> I saw um, a giant CIB on the back of a truck, and I was like, oh, the wood firefight, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the size of the CIB on the vehicle is, is disproportionately proportionate to, to the magnitude the, of the combat. It, it really is, yep. yeah. It was like almost across the entire back, and I was like, I wonder what that one uh, guy's one a, more yeah, story is. It's a mortar that landed outside the combat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the, pe- the pizza hut got blown up, and yeah. that was a sacrifice. Yeah, But, I mean, exactly. there, there's truth to it. You shouldn't go around just like, like you said, swinging your dick around. Oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. Blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. there's also a degree of if you didn't do shit, you don't go around saying you did it. And yeah. if you did see shit, you should not be suppressed from talking about it. You, you should be saying, no. hey, you saw really good – you saw some crazy stuff and some wild experiences and gained some very valuable experiences. But can you just not talk about it in front of the guys that didn't because we don't want them to feel bad? Yeah. Maybe they should listen and hear about those experiences so that they can learn something or hear yeah. about an experience that happened so that, mm. let's say, in the off chance in a different world where there were still deployments going on, they might experience that on a later date. Hmm. Yeah, you bring up a good point. It's not it's not about swinging the dick really in my mind to really it's really not about swinging the dick at, at all. It's it's talking to you talk with those or about those war stories with people that were there. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not exactly. talking about those war stories with people that weren't there. It's just that they happen to be standing there or in the same right. room or whatever. And when you take that little piece that some people may just be clinging to like this guy was there with me. Let's get through it together. Mm-hmm. And you disband that. You spread those people out throughout the company to to suppress that. Mm-hmm. You're doing a great disservice to those those individuals that need that camaraderie. Yeah. They need that action. somebody to talk to about it. They need to have um, someone to vent to or or, or bounce ideas or, mm-hmm. or stories off of or whatever. And that's that's the whole point that you know we're trying to get across. Is that not we're trying to swing our dicks at anybody who'll listen Mm -hmm. because i mean i think you guys have talked about it before the guy that talks the loudest did the least yeah definitely you know you hear all the time you'll hear people telling war stories and it's like you if those are real chances are you're not telling people that you don't know right Mm -hmm. you're telling the people that were there with you and and those are the only people that you will talk about it with yeah think about when you were on your 30 days of leave after deployment how much did you tell your family not a goddamn thing. Yeah, exactly. Not a goddamn thing, right? You were saving that for those people that were there. That's a really good point, actually, because like when you're telling those stories, like you said, you're not telling it at the dude who wasn't there. You're sharing it with the dude who was there, so that you guys mm-hmm. can recount it and like and measure it out. And actually, before the podcast, <clears throat> you know, I've said I've said it before many times, but I whatever I'll say it again. Like, you know, I went whole semesters in classes with other veterans, like dudes who are like Marines who deployed to fucking Jordan or whatever that would tell all these stories that never even knew I was a veteran, much less a combat mm-hmm. veteran. Cause I wasn't going to get into that space. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to talk at that person and like, Oh yeah, well no shit there. I was, you know, in the, in the pants, you know, like cause that's a fucking douche move. It is. Mm-hmm. But, yep. but yeah, I really like that point. Like when you're talking about that, cause but when Curtis would come to my house, you know, and we, and like, 
Take about three beers. <laughs> it had been like two or three years. Or it had been a couple of years since we've seen each other or whatever. We'd just be like, oh, yeah, you remember that one time? And like that's whenever mm-hmm. my wife Leah was like hearing all these crazy stories was in proximity to the conversation I was having with Curtis because I wasn't going to mm-hmm. go out and tell my mom and dad, tell, tell Leah, tell my classmates, that kind of stuff. Because for one, it's, 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 why? it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in English 101 at college, don't go fucking tell them war stories about patrolling around Afghanistan. Like, it's just dumb, you know? Yeah, doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, you know, it, it makes sense to talk about the people that are there with you because you have that shared experience, man. Mm-hmm. And being able to navigate that successfully is something that a lot of veterans fail at. So I'm, it encourages me to hear you say these things, man, because it gives me hope for, for veterans who are for navigating that. it successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's... I feel like a lot of veterans struggle with the maturity required to know when it is when? appropriate to have yeah. those conversations. Because there mm-hmm. are appropriate times to have those conversations with civilians. Mm-hmm. It's not in the middle of your English 101 class. It's not in the middle of a s- lecture at all. Mm-hmm. It's not at the bar. It's not. It, it will come up at very s- specific times when a specific antidote, just like any other life experience. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. That was nine months of your life. Out of twenty years, so if if you are if you feel like you are disproportionately pulling experiences from that one nine month experience, go do something else. Go do, do something, something fucking cool and quit being a quit being a, a, a douche, a loser. <laughs> yeah, quit being a freaking loser, man. Just like do, go do something cool so you have yeah, something go, else and to go talk start about. a yeah. Don't you dare start a podcast about it. Yeah, <laughs> the podcast is ours. Hey! <laughs> oh man! Uh, the hypocrite of the episode goes to us. <laughs> Another well-timed soundboard, perfect. Uh, no, we we do get pretty harsh on the whole vet bro culture, but I mean we're kind of guilty of some of that stuff in having the podcast. But just a reminder, listeners: the reason we're doing this is because twofold. One, the stories need to be told. Mm-hmm. In a in a forum that is appropriate. So as yep. we mentioned before, this is an appropriate forum to talk about these things. Agreed. Second, it is important for our guests' health, mental health, and our mental health to talk through these things, to remember them properly in the right context for the right reasons. Yes. So And that's why we do this, because it is important to save this moment. And then once this podcast is over... I'll probably never mention Spermangar ever again because I'm already <laughs> sick of talking about it. <laughs> and we're like halfway through. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is, and, you know, this is a project. This is not an ongoing, you know, thing that will happen indefinitely until we're 50 years old talking about mm, yeah. Back in the stand, it was a lot different. Those MREs, they had a lot less cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. It's going it's, it's, it's to be over in like a year, guys. So yeah. make sure you stick around for the ride. It'll be over at some point. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, Adam, we always close these things up by offering you the opportunity to say whatever it is, whatever you want. Give mm-hmm. you a soapbox to say anything, say something to somebody, say something about, well, within reason about somebody. Um, <laughs> you can always believe so, names. <laughs> sure can. Power of editing. But uh, the floor is yours, man. No, I'll I'll keep it uh, all that stuff for the pre-interview, you know, <laughs> which was spicy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know. Ever since you asked me to do this, I, I I know you guys give this opportunity at the end, and I've been racking my brain about what to say and almost stressing about it. But 
Um, I think it almost came to be on the 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 pre-interview. This this project that you guys have been doing is it's awesome to get those those different perspectives. Um, you know, we were talking in the pre-interview about the the decisions that were made from our command staff during and then to hear the thought process i'm, I'm referring to kitchen sure. mm-hmm. you know hearing the the thought process behind that those decisions and and what he was shielding us from we would never know that stuff yep. without this platform mm-hmm. um or other people's experiences like um people coming over from the district center or wherever that may be of what their experience was before they came to us. And then when they got to us, mm. what their experiences were, because, you know, we interacted with each other, but there wasn't, we weren't on the ground with first or with right. third or whatever. So to get your guys's perspective on different, different things, it's been, it's been awesome, you know? Um, and the fact that I got to call third platoon out for, Coming in last place, <laughs> last place in the the CIB in cab. The cab. I'm going to go cab first in the cab slash CIB race. Yeah, has made this all worth it. They're going to live I with that the rest of their lives. They will. They will because this is on the internet. It's permanent, yeah, it's permanent. boys. It's, it's permanent. There. You cannot get rid of this. Everybody knows you lost that we beat you. Yep, the cab got got before, right? the, before the CIB. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every day, you're gonna have to tell your grandkids <laughs> what happened. That tanker got into the shit before the infantryman did. <laughs> if my boots... you get too butt hurt, remember that Adam just was on a knee behind a, a wall the whole time. He didn't shoot his gun. <laughs> okay, we can end that part, right? All right. They don't need to know that. Yeah. Actually, I think let's let's get a war story in there, Adam. What's what's one of the most significant memories for you? Like close call or just like a bad day? <sighs> Let's get that in and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Man. Again, you're gonna which, pull which one? memory. Which one? Which one of many? <laughs> I'm not gonna go with a firefight. Okay. I'm gonna go with uh a mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. A land mine or t- anti tank mine. Okay. All really? Right. Bear with bear with me. I'm, I'm all ears. So it was back to you know, back to the beginning when I said we were truck bitches the first mm-hmm. few weeks mm-hmm. we did a mission down to big reggae and we got stuck and this was like we were what would that have been like a month out of calf if that yeah, yeah. This is, this somewhere is in that range this was spring in panjway so all the dirt is just straight mud under the surface yeah and so we had done those ied lanes at at, at calf oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then i we set up a mock ied lane down at the range mm-hmm. And it almost, if, if I remember right, memory serves me right, it was a lot of tank mines were um, emphasized. Yeah, the PMN mm-hmm. mines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had that in my mind. Okay, so we're, we're going down to Big Reggae. The truck gets stuck, so we get out to start digging it. And I'm digging the back tire out. And I shit you not, I see a tank mine. Ooh. I fall backwards, like... I'm not going to say scream. I yell like a goddamn warrior about <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It was. Oh my God, it's <laughs> I look back and it was, I should, I should, you know, I shouldn't have told this story on live. So happy but it, is. it was three piles of dirt 
lined up oh, like looking little, perfectly yeah like a landmine oh man dude talk about having to go change my diaper out <laughs> it was all it was only mud folks but it looked everything in my mind dude, was like i can totally you know, see that like in my mm-hmm. mind's eye right now i know i like, yeah. know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah. you're fresh off the boat mm-hmm. to speak mm-hmm. and all you've been told is minds minds mm-hmm. minds you've looked at them you looked at them you're looking for them we're in a uh in the in the dirt and it just perfectly formed yeah. it. And I thought, this is where I go go to hell right <laughs> yeah. here. Little did we oh, know that like, none of the IEDs in Panjway were circular. Yeah. How, <laughs> how, how, many, how, many, how many landmines did we actually encounter? A couple. Two? Like we Maybe found like, a couple. Like one yeah. or two that were yeah. used as like the precursor for the main charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> that that first, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I do. That ID lane so had me I, looking for like trip wires and stuff too. That <laughs> ID lane was completely fucking. It ridiculous. had me just looking for for tank mines. Tank, yeah, because that's a tanker. You're a tanker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All I was looking for was tank mines. Yeah. Oh Jesus that's funny, Christ! Man. That's a good one. Yeah. that's a good one because I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I can see that, and I know like even like the little ridges. Yeah, yep. along the edge, it was like the disc face of the mine. Yeah, I could definitely see. It mud, was like kind of shaping up like that replica. Yeah, that's too oh. funny, man. It might have been one. It might have been like an old ancient Russian mine that had just coated over. And over no, the it was not. It was it was only dirt. Okay. I <laughs> I will admit it was only dirt. But all I had in my mind, I was looking for it. That was in my mind that there was going to be a mine somewhere out there, and I in my, my mind found it. So I I I don't. I, I want to say that Sergeant Marrero was on the ground with me there and maybe like Heiserman or somebody. I, I can't. There was there was other people around. Somebody me witnessed it, it at least, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. You, I hope they don't remember it, but I, 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 I sure as hell do. Forget it. I sure as hell remember that. <laughs> Woof. Well, if it makes you feel any better, the first IED I thought that I found, it was the same thing. Oh, not exactly the same, but. I saw something circular in the ground. I was like, oh, my God, this has got to be an IED. And, like, at this time, we were still, like, under the training we initially got from the Air Force guys. Like, yeah, low crawl up to it and poke it with the <laughs> that non-metallic rod and figure out what it is. Because if you can't, if you can't def- tell us for sure it's an IED, we're not coming out to take a look at it. Yeah. This was before we're like, fuck that. We're just going to blow it yep. up. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am, low crawling up, poking this. It was like a piece of plastic or something. But. It it wasn't even circular. It was just like like a piece of clay or plastic or something. But I was seeing circles in the dirt everywhere, yeah. and I think that whole yeah. experience just even now, like every time I see like a line of rocks, you know, I'm like, and then I look right. at it like that's not a line. That's literally just five rocks. You know, they're not even lined up at all. But we just so you train your mind to look for all these right. things. So that was like early on in the deployment. Then. Fast forward six or seven months in, we're doing something around Adam's Eye, I want to say, and I, I could be way off on the village, but we were we were clearing these compounds out, and I remember Lefebvre was on the the mine hound, mm-hmm. and we were just we were inside this the compound, and it was abandoned, but he he got like a hit or something, and I was covering him as we were like going through the um uh through the different rooms or whatever. And he's like, oh, don't step there. And I was like, haha, thinking it was a joke. And I stepped right on it. So that, it obviously wasn't anything. It was just, you know, mm-hmm. I hope it wasn't anything. Maybe it was turned off. I don't know. I don't think it was. But but that transition from mm. this heightened sense of, holy shit, everything's going to kill us to almost like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know. That also happens in, from the beginning to the end of the patrol as you get tired. 
That's very true. <laughs> very true. When you're tired, like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Step on it. I yeah. get a helicopter ride to calf. <laughs> get me back. <laughs> However, we'll take every dirt path if it's the fastest way. Right. Just get me right. home. Yep. There's, there's like a, there's a direct proportion, a direct correlation between the amount of suck and the amount of risk you're willing to take. Mm-hmm. It's weird because you would think that you'd be like, I know this sucks, but I don't want to blow up. So I'm going to take the Cape Grape Rose. You're just like, yeah, maybe maybe we should hop on the road here. Like we're within, you know, the right camera can see the road from here. Let's just hop on the road and, and hoof it back, you know. Like low crawl day for us, Curtis is a good day because like, I'm like crawling through the mud. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like I'm sucking bullets are zipping over my head. But I'm just like, I think I'm just going to stand up and run. I think I'm close enough now. You know, instead of being like, I should stay low so I don't get shot. You're just like, I'm tired and I want to run now. Right. And that, that's like, what the correlation is. It's not between how difficult it is. It's between how tired you are. How tired you are. Exactly. Because like at the beginning of every pro, we're like, hey, we're going to climb over top of every grape row. We're going to go in and out of every canal. We ain't going to even touch a road. We're going to look at a road. And then like two hours in, you're like, oh. The raid camera can see down this road. There's no right. on this one. <laughs> that road looks pretty nice right now. This Let's road get looks on it. Great. Like, yeah. We've only been ambushed on Brown like eight times. There's no way they'll do it a ninth time. <laughs> speaking of speaking of route Brown, I do got one. Oh, you guys oh yeah, always, here you, you go. You guys have names for your awesome missions. We do. I don't know yeah. if I should call them awesome. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we. I'm saying not not <laughs> talking to you guys, but for events that uh, happen, I don't know if I should call yeah, it awesome. awesome. Awesome unless you went bad. How about yeah. That? yeah. Yeah. Um, we have the Mogadishu Mile. Yeah. Sure. I remember that. You guys remember that? Yeah. We were coming back from... Shit, what? It was somewhere around the ALP checkpoint. Mm-hmm. We were coming out there. And we were walking down Brown, Hardtop Road, obviously. And we start getting contact from the east, from where we were just just walking out of getting the firefights yeah. from. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing on Route Brown. There's a little ditch on the what would that be the west, west side, yeah. but it's all those sticker bro- uh, bushes <laughs> yeah, or whatever. So of course, you know, we all scramble it. And I'm pretty sure there's a video, there the is. raid camera video there's of this floating video around somewhere. Yeah, all of us just down into this into these thick the sticker bushes and so you can't move through it so i think we pushed a little bit in and we're like fuck this so we got back on the hard it was impressive yeah Yeah. got back on the hard top and sprinted Mm -hmm. back towards the ecp (laughs) and this was after probably like a four or five hour patrol Mm -hmm. and so all of us are smoked but that adrenaline dump for that yeah that's a that's a good that's a good haul like that was many hundred meters from uh from where you guys got hit back to the gate yeah yeah, it's, so it's the interesting Mile, that's our name. Walking back in with a, if you're not being shot at, like even though it's flat and it's easy, you're like, oh my god, that cop is so far away. Yeah. It <laughs> never gets bigger. It never gets closer as you're walking down Route Brown. But boy, someone be shooting at you. Yo, yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just found tenth gear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Until you get to the ECP, oh, and remember the ECP was flat. Inside, and then you're like, okay, we're back and made it. And then you got to take that hill take up to the ANA part. And it was like, oh, yeah. two choices. Get the trucks down here to pick us up. Yeah. <laughs> two choices. And you come in that front gate. You can suck for 30 seconds and go straight up those stairs that were like stairway to heaven, mm. like a thigh workout from hell, but it was short. 
Or you could walk a quarter mile all the way up the gradual hill across I the whole the HLZ yeah. I always and make took it and meander your way back into the school. I don't think we ever took the stairs. That should say something right there about infantry versus tankers. We always took the the longer, harder, the longer, easier way. path, not the shorter, harder. Oh, shit, way. that kind of backfired on me, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, with, yes, sir. With, I think that's a perfect place to end it. I think it is too, Adam. Thank you so much. This has been yeah, I appreciate a it. complete pleasure. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite interviews me. by far. So thank you for joining us. And, Absolutely. Uh, thank you for being a cool tanker. You got it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pandroid Podcast. If you liked what you heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review. New episodes every Monday on all major podcast platforms, Facebook, and YouTube. Visit www.thepandwaypodcast.com for more information.